This, this week's parsha that we're going to learn is, is the Parsha's Vayera. Parsha's Vayera is the parsha that we talk about how God revealed himself to Abraham after he made his circumcision. And we'll take one topic in the parsha. It's a very interesting topic. What we'll start is with something that we read yesterday in the synagogue from Parshat Lech Lecha about the covenant of the part. What's the covenant of the part? Go ahead. God's promise and its materialization, the covenant of parts, the promise of descendants. After these incidents, the word of God came to Avram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Avram, I am your shield. Your reward is exceedingly great. Avram replied, God, what will you give me, since I am going childless and the store to my household is Eliezer of Damascus? Avram said, you have given me no children. One of my household will inherit me. The word of God came to him, saying, This one will not inherit you, but the one who will spring from your innards will inherit you. God took Abram aside and said, Please look heavenward and count the stars. If you are able to count them, he said to him, So will be your seed. Abram believed in God, and God considered it his righteousness. Now what happened there? Abram made a revelation, a machazeh, a vision. And God told them, don't worry, Abraham. Don't be afraid, Abraham. Fear not. Your, uh, your reward is very great. I'm your, your shield. Your reward is very great. But Abraham tells I, I have rewards. It's all nice and fine. I'm successful. It's all good. But um, what I'm childless. He's, he was childless at that time. He was married for many years. He was already married for 45 years. And uh, there is also a cherry on the film. And, uh, and he said, and I don't have children. And I have a helper. Um, today would be called, um, you know, somebody who runs your, your business. business chief, chief, of sta- chief of staff. Hmm. His name was Eliezer. And Eliezer is going to, to, to inherit me because I don't have any children to give everything that I have. And God told them, God told them, don't worry. He took him outside in the vision. He took him outside and he showed them the stars and he told them, can you count the stars? That's how many, how many will be your children. That was the first, that was the beginning of the vision. Go ahead. God said to him, I am God, who brought you forth from Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. Abram said, God, how will I know that I will inherit it? God said to him, take for me three heifers and three goats and three rams and a turtle dove and a young bird. Now, God is telling him another thing. Until now, he told them, he promised them he would have children, as many as the stars of them. Now he tells them, I took you out from Ur-Kazdim, from basically from Iraq, from Babylon, to give you this land as an inheritance. This land means the land of Israel. And now he's asking for a proof. When he came, when he told them, beginning, I'm going to have too many children, he didn't ask him, you have a proof of me? He believed in it. And God considered it righteousness. Now, for the land of Israel, this is more complicated. I need a proof. Hmm. And what did he tell him? Go ahead, continue. And, and Abram took all of these for God and split them in half. He placed each part opposite its other half, but he did not divide the birds. What does this mean? He took a few animals and he split them in half. It was a way of doing a covenant. You take something complete, you cut it in half, and two people pass be- between... And it means just like the two F's are one, so too our covenant is forever. That's what it's all about. That's a commitment that's forever. Read the Rashi. Yeah. Split them. He separated each one into two parts. The verse retains its literal meaning. For he was making a covenant with God to keep his promise and give the land to his descendants. The way covenants are made is by walking between two parts of an animal as it says in Jeremiah, those who walk between the parts of a calf. Here, too, the fire and smoke, they went between the parts, 
was an emissary of the divine presence, which is called fire. As we're going to learn soon, there was a fire and an Abraham passed by. The birds of prey descended upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. No, oh, one second, one second. This, no, no, this is already because I know part. That's the text again. Then they made a covenant. And the way to make a covenant at that time was to take something that's complete, cut it in half, and pass by in between. And just as these pieces were never, should never be separated, because it was one body or one identity, so too our covenant will never be separated. We'll be, we'll be forever together. If it's a covenant about marriage or a covenant about a commitment or so on. Okay, then he saw, uh, in top of the page, you read it. The, the birds of prey. The birds of prey descending on the carcasses symbolize the enemies who wish to destroy the covenant. Abraham fought them off and drove them away. This foretells that the covenant and its realization will encounter many challenges and threats, and it will be necessary to stand up to them. And he saw that be, the, the business of the land of Israel is not going to be easy. It's going to be very hard. There will be a lot of enemies who are trying to take away the land from the, from the Jewish people. And they will need to be fought for. Fought. Continue. The sun was ready to set, and a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, a fright, a great darkness was falling upon him. He made the covenant. He caught the animals. And then he saw, and then he had a deep nap, sleep. A darkness came on top of him. And fear that was all in his vision. This is not describing regular sleep that results from exhaustion, but an inability to remain awake, as if something extraneous is inducing him to sleep. This generates a dark fear that has no reason or meaning. See, this darkness is not a darkness somebody got tired, he fell asleep. He knows that there's something bad is coming. And open the in 1920, the 4th Chabad Rebbe, the 5th Chabad Rebbe passed away. Before he passed away, he called his son and he told them, there is dark clouds are coming over Russia. It was the time of communism, the Bolshevik Revolution. He says it's going to be very bad, and you'll have to fight it. And it'll be very, very hard times for the Jewish people. And that was based on the same idea here. Abraham saw dark clouds. He saw it's going to be very harsh, very bad. Okay, you want to continue? God said to Abraham, You shall surely know that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. He told them you should know. It was all, all predicted. All predicted. Hmm. They will be suffering for 400 years. What's the good news about the prediction? You overestimated <laughs> the 400 years. No, was it? The, no. Yeah. You know it's going to be over 100. Yeah. Right. What else? It's only 210 years. <laughs> What's the good news about the prediction? That it gets better from there? It's going to be around. <laughs> it, it, did it, it change? <laughs> That's also thought, yeah, it could be changed. There was a good part to it, which was going to be that the, the nation would be judged, and they would come out, that the Israel would come out, out of the slavery. Stronger, richer. No, more than that. It's all true, what you say. The good news is that it's not a punishment. There was no Jewish people yet. Isaac was not born. It's a part of a longer, bigger plan. You know, people, every time there is a tragedy, what's the punishment? Why God is punishing the Jewish people? And everybody's pointing fingers. And because of this, I know why. Because they made the news. Here is God. Telling Abraham, before anybody was born, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you children. There'll be as many as the stars of them, and I'll give you a land. But oh boy, it's going to be a long journey. They'll be suffering in a foreign land, and be enslaved. For foreign, but why? Nobody. It's bigger than us. It's a part of the big plan of what's called the Jewish people. And then we learn this, and we see what's going on in the world, we understand and this is not my invention, obviously. What I'm telling you now, it's, I, I, the Rebbe, I remember speaking, the, the Rebbe speaking about that during the Persian Gulf War. 
that people started to say it's going to be better to the Jews because the Jews are. He says, don't, 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 nobody asked you. He spoke about the Holocaust and says, there are, what's going on in the world is bigger than us. It's a part of a bigger plan. Why God wanted it to be through suffering, I don't know. But it's not because A did this and B did this and C did that. It's bigger than that. Much bigger than that. Nobody was born. Nobody was doing bad yet. He's telling him it's going to be that your children will be enslaved for 400 years. And then they'll come out. Then this is a lesson for every time when Jewish people endure suffering. Pointing fingers and saying why. The moment a person opens his mouth and says, I know why this happened. He's opening his mouth. He's saying that he's an idiot. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know why? What? God talked to you lately. <laughs> he had a vision. They came up. Even Abraham didn't. God didn't tell him why. God just told him what's going to be. He didn't tell him why. He told him that's a part of the process. They're going to be slaves. Then they'll take him out. Then they'll go to the land of Israel. This is what it's all about. And when we look on life like this, we see it's bigger than us. And this that we don't understand God is not, is not surprising. Just as the fly doesn't understand my decisions, my relationship, my level, I'm more, more closer to the fly than I'm closer to God. I'm a creature, the fly is a creature. God is the creator, he's unlimited. Then that's very normal. And that's the most important, the most comforting part about this piece. This is the first vision that Abraham made with God. I told him it's going to be your children are going to suffer for 400 years. But why? Why? Azoi, why? But it's not, anybody did anything wrong, I'm going to fix it. Nobody, did any, nobody was born yet. Who is doing anything wrong? That's a part of the bigger plan. We need to understand the world works on the back of a bigger plan that God has. Rabbi, but the concept of asking why, I think this is uh, acceptable, right? It's like you're saying, hey, why, why? Because we cannot understand the creator's thinking. But at the same time, Jews know because always asking why, right? At the same time. Is, is it bad to ask why? No, asking why, question, yeah. asking why is a normal reaction. Yeah. It, you should ask why. Right. But then... You think about that and you say, you know what? It's bigger than me. But, this, but if you don't ask why, you just, if you just uh, your heart is like a stone. Moses asked why. why have, Moses asked God, why you made it worse than the Jewish people, right? By the end of Parshat Shmot, of the, in the beginning of Exodus, mm-hmm. Moses went to Pharaoh and he told him, let my people go. Pharaoh made it worse. Then Moses asked, why have you, done, why have you punished your people? And that's what I'm trying to say. It's kind of like, it's a normal to ask why. Very normal. more important to come to, come to that, hey, that's, it's not... It's bigger than me, exactly. But asking why is a sign that you're a human being, that your heart is beating in you. In your, it's not a stone. You know, I remember we had once a head of the yeshiva by us. He had a heart attack. That the joke in the yeshiva was, we didn't know he has a heart, this guy. <laughs> now we know he has a heart. You know, if you don't... If, what do you mean you don't ask why? It's a, you see somebody suffer, it's, 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 it comes out from you. You're screaming, why? What's going on here? Well, then you're thinking, Moses has that question. Everybody had a question. Abraham had a question. In the Bible, quite a few people. And they, and they didn't get answers. Oh, you know why? A, B, and C. No. He understood that it's bigger than them. That's what God told them. God told I'm sure them, people are but, asking why in Israel right now. Sure they're asking. Not only in Israel, in America too. What we are, what are really praying to God says, God, I don't want to know why. Just whatever you want to do, do it in a better way. Do it in a good that we can appreciate it. That's what we want. You have a big agenda. It's all nice and fine. Can you make it a little sweeter? That's what we are praying to God. But this is, what, this is a very important piece in the, in the old covenant of the part. Before anything, he's already telling them it's going to be uh, predicting, predicting the, the Tzoros. Do we know if Abraham passed that information down to his... How do you think I know and you know? <laughs> you are, I was there, he told me. Maybe. I, I, if I, if we, we are sitting and talking about that, he told us. No, I'm I mean, sure Abraham... He passed it down to Isaac and... Absolutely, the, he told them that the children... Yeah, it's a whole thing, how it was calculated the 400 years since when it started. The forefathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were very busy with this, with this story. 
how to do the, how to avoid the exile from their children in a way that they should do it. And they tried to shorten it, and they actually achieved. They wanted to shorten it completely. There is a lot, a lot of being talked about it. Yeah. He doesn't want to go. Yeah, because. Yeah, but why he didn't want to go? But because he felt that being by Laban was already enough. He thought that the 20, one years that he was by Laban, he already finished the job. He wanted to make it even shorter, not 210, 21. <laughs> but what you do, they, they sold Joseph as a slave. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They made it up the for ourselves. We got ourselves in trouble, as usual. <laughs> okay, I stopped you in the middle. So I will judge the nation that enslaved them, and afterwards they will go forth with great wealth. In the sunset, and it was dark, a smoking furnace and a firebrand passed between these parts. The smoke and fire represent God's presence passing through parts, including the formal part of the covenant. Then God told them the good news is later the Jews will have a lot of money. Well, don't worry. Wherever they go, they all will be upper, middle, upper class. They will do well. Why God wanted the Jews should have money? What do you think? <coughs> Influence. Because if you don't have money, you cannot influence anybody. People respect successful people. It's a fact. And if you want to bring the message of God, you have to be successful. If, if Bill Gates comes to town, everybody will come. Will pay $100 to come to hear what he has to say. Maybe you should give me $100. He has much more money than me. But you're going to pay for what? Maybe there's something. Why we came so smart or so rich? Maybe I'll learn something. People respect people who are successful. That's why God wants us to be successful. Because we have a mission to sell, to, to spread the name of God, the awareness of God in the world. Okay. Well, you know, he's not going to pay $100, only 50 <laughs> Maybe you become rich, young man. We'll pay to see you. <laughs> then we'll pay to see you, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Abimelech and Abraham traveled from there to the land. This is from our This was before. That's not from our parsha. A story about the Mother and Sarah. Go ahead. And he dwelt between Kadesh and between Shur, and uh, sojourn in uh, Gerar. Gerar. Gerar is a place. Yeah. Gerar. Abraham said about Sarah, his wife. She is my sister, and Abimelech the king of, of Gerar. That was two times the story that Sarah was taken by the king. The first time was when he went to Egypt and Pharaoh took him. And then he gave her back. Now it's many years later. This is 25 years later. He goes to Grara, a place, Grara. And there, the same story, you know, every, every five blocks there is another king. Hmm. And this king said, they told the king, that, and he said, that's my sister. She was taken to the king. Okay, God came to Avimelech. God came in a a night dream, and he said to him, you're going to die because of the woman whom you have taken. You're going to die. God tells Avimelech, you're going to die because the woman you have taken. In his dream, he told him that. Go ahead. For she is a married woman. Mm -hmm. Avimelech had not come near to her. And he said, God, will you kill even a righteous nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? She also said, he is my brother. I have done with, uh, with uh, this an innocent heart and pure hand. He told them, God, I did, God, Abimelech did not have a chance to torture. Not because he didn't want to, because an angel made sure he cannot do anything. But then he says, I didn't even touch her. You want to kill me already? I didn't know. And she said, she's my boy. He said, she's, it's, my, it's my sister. What do you want from me? I did it with, a pure, with an innocent heart and a pure hand. God didn't accept that it. it was so pure, pure heart, and pure hand, and it's not. No, he wasn't so holy. That's for sure. Okay, God told them what God tells them. God something very interesting. I too know that you did this with an innocent heart. And I have withheld you from sinning to me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Return the man's wife, because he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will leave. But if you do not return her, 
now that you will surely die, you and you and all that is yours. Okay, you know what he tells them here? Something very interesting. God told them, okay, I know you didn't touch her. And therefore I stopped you from touching her. And if you now return the woman to, the, to your husband, because he's a prophet, and he should pray for you. See what's going on here? God is speaking to him. All he needs him to pray for her. God is speaking to Avimelech. He tells him, if you want to be cured from your problem, the problem that God made it, that he cannot have, he cannot, he cannot have children. The whole system was shut down. He says, if you want ever to have children, you go back, give him this woman, give him his wife, and ask him to pray for you until you be cured. And God created here a system. If you want to have a miracle from God, you go to the righteous man, to a tzaddik, to a prophet, and ask the prophet to pray for you. God wanted an intermediary to pray on your behalf. God can tell him, pray to me. Okay, you forg- I forgive you. I'm finished. What do you need? Abraham to pray for, for, for Avimelech. God is telling Avimelech, go to Abraham, he should pray for you. This is the first place that we have a tzaddik praying for somebody. God is God created the system. I, I thought I read that uh, Sarah ordered the angel to keep him for safe, and that she was a greater prophet, prophet than... What do you see? You needed somebody else to pray for him. Sarah, yeah, he didn't ask Sarah should pray for him. He said, God told him, go, Abraham should pray for you. Soon we'll see why. But the idea, first of all, the idea is that you have a tzaddik who is... Your connection to God? No. A tzaddik is a whole different level. It's a whole different connection to God. And when he's asking for something, God listens. He has better connections. Simple. You know, you use connections for everything. This is also connections. Okay, continue. Uh, Yeah, please. Because he is a prophet, he knows you haven't touched her. Therefore, he will pray for you. He knows that what you say is true, and he will pray for you. Continue. Avimelech arose early in the morning, and he summoned all his servants, and he spoke all these words in their ears. The men were very frightened. Avimelech summoned Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And what have I sinned against you that you have brought upon me and upon my kingdom a great sin? You have done this. You have done to me deeds that are not done. Now Avimelech is blaming Abraham. What have you done to me? If you just tell me she's your wife, I would never touch her. <laughs> sure. What kind of a person do you think I am? <laughs> yeah. What, look what you did to me. Look how he turned it around. He's blaming Abraham and the whole thing. Look what you brought to me. Such pain and such inflicted on me such things. Read the Rashi. Deeds that are not done. A plague that doesn't regularly afflict people has befallen us through you. All openings for sperm, urine, excrement, and the ears and the nostrils have shut. I've been shot. That's how I spell plague. Plague, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Then, then uh, he said, he said, he had a real plague. And he said, as usual, the abuser, the, the perpetrator is blaming the, the, the victim. Yeah. What? They copied the same page. Oh, they copied the same page? Yeah, no. Yeah, the only first two paragraphs. The first two paragraphs, yeah. Abimelech said to Abraham, Why did you do this? Abraham said, For I said, Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Abimelech took flocks and cattle and servants and gave servants, and he gave them to Abraham, and he returned to his wife, Sarah. Abimelech said, Here is my land before you. You may live wherever you please. To Sarah, Abimelech said, I have given a thousand pieces of silver to your brother. Behold, it is to you a covering of the eyes for all who are with you, and with all you shall see. Basically, the giving money to Sarah was a sign that the world should know he didn't touch her and he's apologizing. He paid it off, but just for, for he, trying. He called her her brother. Yeah. Her brother, yeah. even though he knows now. He's no, not. but he, 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 called the, he kind of blaming, <laughs> blaming <laughs> him, blaming them. <laughs> Are you brother? I'm giving you brother money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, continue. Hashi to Sarah Abimelech said, Abimelech said in her honor, in order to appease her, I have bestowed upon you this honor. I have given money to your brother, 
whom you sent. He is my brother. Behold, this money and this honor are to you a covering of the eyes for all who are with you. They will cover their eyes so that they will not desecrate you. Had I returned you empty-handed, they could have said, after he violated her, he returned her. Now that I had to spend so much money and to appease you, they will know that I returned you against my will through a miracle. Basically, he gave her the money to make proof, to make a statement that there is that he, he did it because he was afraid of her, because he didn't, he didn't touch her, whatever. That was a sign in his eyes that he didn't touch her. Okay, continue. Abraham prayed. Abraham mm-hmm. prayed God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his handmaid, and they gave birth. God, Abraham actually did what, what God said he will do for him. Don't worry, you, the, the prophet <coughs> will pray for you. Abraham prayed and Avimelech was cured. For God, God continue. Shot every womb of Avimelech's household on account of Sarah, his <coughs> wife, Rashi. Um, they gave birth. As the um, Targum renders, and they were relieved. They, um, their orifices were opened, and they expelled that which needed to be expelled, and that is their birth. Every womb, every bodily opening because of Sarah, through the words of Sarah. Here is the word of Sarah, you see. What happened is not only Avimelech couldn't go to the restroom, got shut down the whole family. Hmm. Nobody, because that's what Sarah, yeah. nobody could go, no, nobody needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> they needed, they couldn't go. Hmm. Then the whole thing, and then Abraham prayed for them, and they were all able to move on, live a normal life. Sounds great, right? Now we come to the big news. Okay. You want to go ahead? God remembered Sarah as he had said and did to Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, and at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham named his son who had been born to him, whom Sarah had born to him, Isaac. And God remembered Sarah. When God remembers somebody, it's a call for action. He's doing something. He remembered Sarah and he gave her a child. And remembered Noah and he took him out from the ark. Remembering in Judaism is a, is a, is a, is a positive commandment. It's a call for action. That's being remembered by God is very good news. And God remembered Sarah and he gave her a child. Now this comes right after the story with Avimela. Continue, continue. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we will make sure that they're ready. Thank you for reminding me. The scoffers of the generation claimed that Sarah conceived from Abimelech, because for years she hadn't conceived from Abraham. What did God do? What happened here is, an hour after she was by Abimelech, suddenly Sarah is pregnant. Nice, huh? Mm. A hundred years, she's, she's 75 years probably married to Abraham. Yeah, um, 65 she years. Was she was 90, right? She was 90. Tell him from, uh, no, um, um, for Terry and Fori is what? Seventy-five years, yeah. Seventy-five years she was married to Abraham and she didn't get pregnant. Then she went to Avimelech. Suddenly Sarah is hmm. pregnant. That's hmm. news. <laughs> what do you think everybody said? Uh-huh, sure, yeah, from Abraham, sure, sure. Go ahead, what she said. The, 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 the scoffers of the generation said... That Sarah conceived from Abimelech because for years she had conceived from Abraham. What did God do? He made Isaac's countenance resemble Abraham's. Everyone knew that Abraham fathered Isaac. This is why the verse says Isaac, the son of Abraham, for there is proof that Abraham fathered Isaac. God made a special miracle. What, why you need to make a special miracle that Abraham, Isaac should look like Abraham? Usually children look like the parents. You know it's coming from him. Usually children look like the parents. The problem was here, Isaac was more like Sarah. Personality-wise, it was more like Sarah. Then to make him look like Abraham take, took an effort. He, he, in personality, was like Sarah, more tough like his mother, but, the, but he looked like Abraham exactly. Then just God did it, a special miracle. They shouldn't be able to deny that he's Abraham's child. Why did he wait so long? God wait so long from the time he told him. Yeah, so why to complicate things, right? <laughs> why complicate Now you have to make a point of miracle. First of all, God likes, likes to do ways, things. Then every miracle, somebody could say, maybe not. For the sake of free choice, 
we cannot have things perfect. You see? We are right. It's always there is a place for maybe not. God there is in the beginning. God says, let, let us make man in our image. And it's written that Moses told God, if he write it in our image, people think there is more than <coughs> one God. Our, plural. God says, write it our, and whoever wants to make a mistake should be able to make a mistake. For the sake of free choice, we need to put in the Torah, and we need to put in every in life. Free choice is the biggest gift that God gave to humanity. Because if not, we don't deserve reward for anything. It's free choice, though. With Animals the, do not have free plant. choice. Yeah. yeah, animals do not have free choice. They don't get reward for the good behavior. A I human being is the... Huh? I was no, they got chopped in half. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, they got chopped in half. Uh, human beings, the reason why we can, have, we can have the free choice, I just saw it the other day, the Rebbe said the biggest gift God gave to humanity is free choice. Then you can make decisions, and we can, and, but if it's so clear, anybody who comes to synagogue wins the lottery. The place will be full. <laughs> Mm-hmm. with uh, happy and depressed people they want to run they don't, didn't want but when the, when, when the other side wins and you still do the right thing that's free choice and that's number one God wanted people there is a miracle Abraham had a son when he was 100 years old Sarah was 19 everybody can come and say oh yeah it's all my people I said okay let them, let, them, let, them, let them talk then there is one miracle, then you'll prove this. And he, he, what do you think? After, the, after that Isaac looked like Abraham, I'm sure there were people who said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Hmm. But why God did that? Here is coming, the, 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 we're coming with answer. You want to continue? Yeah. Rashi? Rashi, God remembered Sarah. This section was placed next to the preceding section to teach you that when people ask for mercy for their fellow, when they are in need of the same thing themselves. Ah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. They are answered first. As it says, Abraham prayed, etc., and immediately following it, God remembered Sarah. Example, he had already remembered her before he healed Abimelech. God is teaching us here an unbelievable lesson, and that's going to be the whole lesson. You know. Then when you want, you have a need, and another person has the same need, and you pay for the other person before you, God will answer your prayers. God wants people to care for each other. I need money, and you need money. Why should I pray for you? I pray for myself. Right? God says, no, if, you pray for, if I pray for you, before I pray for myself, then God will answer my prayers first. You know, sometimes people tell me, I'm going to win, the, I'm, buy, I'm buying a lottery, please, I should win the lottery. Tell them I'll pray for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'll buy the, I have to buy a ticket, that's a big problem. <laughs> okay. You buy the ticket for the next that's for yourself and you got to share it in Jewish you law you and your wife <laughs> is one unit mm. it's your wife is not like an, a different person it's you the kids is also you for a stranger yourself okay now we're going to learn the go ahead oh one second you you We'll come, we'll continue. God's promise to Abraham was given all the way back in the covenant of parts, as Rashi continues. When did God promise this to Abraham? When he spoke to him at the covenant of split parts and told him that his servant wouldn't inherit him, and he gave him some from Sarah. There's something strange happened. God promised that to Abraham, according to one opinion, 30 years earlier, the other opinion, 25 years earlier, many years before. And God, God dragged it out and went and went. When he prayed for others, then he was answered. Continue. Meaning although there had been a promise made years early at the covenant of three parts, according to Rashi, it was 30 years early. It had not yet been fulfilled. But when Abraham prayed for Abimelech, Sarah became pregnant immediately. 
even before the Melech was killed. Sarah was what became pregnant before he was cured. He was cured the same day, basically. Hmm. Okay, you want to continue, Danny? This highlights the power of praying on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. Hashem had given the promise a long time ago, but it wasn't fulfilled until Abraham prayed for Abimela. As soon as Abraham prayed for Abimela, Sarah became pregnant immediately. Even before Abimela was healed... That was a, something very important here. God gives you a promise, but to actually get it done... You need something to do. You need like open the something. Sometimes is stuck there and doesn't let go. You have to do something to get something that you deserve. The Thomas God promised you. Why we pray every day? Hashanah we came to show we got a good day, right? God promised us this year you're going to make hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Shine. Why did you come every day? What well, they need to do him every day? He said mm-hmm. it was a deal, right? Mm-hmm. The deal is a deal, but sometimes it's stuck somewhere. And you need a little prayer, a little mitzvah to get it actually done. You know, sometimes the government promise you um, whatever it is. If, uh, then, you know, now they give out uh, for security money and this. It's all nice and fine, but could be one fashtunkener uh, guy who walks, sits on by, on by a desk and doesn't let it happen. And you need to get it done. God also, Abraham was promised there is before that. That's also sugar to be. But until Abraham didn't do something, it didn't work. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It is clear that Abimelech was healed straight after Abraham's wedding. And Sarah became pregnant before that. Sarah became pregnant before that. The letters are all one. How does that? So if she became pregnant before that, he hadn't prayed for Abimelech yet. So God had faith in Abraham that he was going to pray for Abimelech. No, God, uh, it was, he prayed, but maybe she was not answered. They were not answered. God didn't cure Avimelech. He got Sarah pregnant a second before he cured Avimelech. You got it? I think so. Okay. You got it? <laughs> yeah. He prayed before. He prayed right away. But God answered Sarah's prayer Sarah before, he entered, before he answered Avimelech's prayer, uh, Abraham's prayer for Avimelech. Yeah. You want to continue? Greater than a pre-existing promise. Moreover, even when a request for the other person is for completely new blessing, while the person's own request is something that has already been promised and is therefore easier to fulfill. We should ask for mercy for the other person's first. We learn that it's from Abraham who first prayed for Abimelech, even though asking for his own blessing would have been What's going on here? Abraham can ask question. God, make me be able to have children. You promised me. Avimelech didn't promise. God didn't promise. Now he does know that God told him he's going to be cured. He came to pray. He asked for Avimelech should be cured. But and then, first of all, he should collect my promise. Then I should pray for somebody else that God never promised him. It would be much harder to get from God something that He never promised. That something that He already promised to me to Abraham. Still, pray for, for Avimelech for something that it's not for sure. It's a prayer. Maybe God will say no. Maybe God doesn't want to give him. And you, God said for sure yes to Abraham. Pray for him. And even you think that's cash, you'll quicker get it because you pray for something that, for somebody else. The point is when you pray for somebody else, God listens and opens his heart to give you also good. When you come to ask for somebody else, people love it much more. If your children, if one child comes to you and tells you, give my order, give me my brother or my sister or my sibling, give, him, give, her, give, her, give her the candy, give her this. And when, ch- when the parent sees that your child is selfless and he's asking for somebody else, it brings you such a pleasure that you want to give to this child even more. That's what it's all about. Rabbi, uh, is there something in my stupidity here? Where's Ishmael in all this? I mean, God says that at some point he says to God, you gave me Ishmael, but he's not really what, you know, I really want. Mm-hmm. Well, one second, then. What's your question? I we'll wanted to, to ask, when you're talking about right now that uh, he prayed for Abimelech, the whole thing that you were talking about, it's what's related to the good prayer? What do you mean the good prayer? That when you're praying for someone. Yes. Blessing. Okay, blessing. But... Uh, because it's a little bit kind of 
correlate with what's happening right now. It's like you you don't want us to pray for these awful that's, people. That's no, God forbid. No, 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 no. But the point is like Abimelech, he was praying for Abimelech. Abimelech, get one, no, no. Abimelech gave back his wife and never touched her. You mean it's after the thing yeah. he was saying? Yeah, he, he gave her, he never touched her. He told him, please, Allegedly. I'm sorry. I didn't know she's your wife. And, ask, and I'm asking you, please pray for me. I wish they would be like this. <laughs> That's a different story. Now about Ishmael. Ishmael was not born from Sarah, right? Yes. Then God told him, "That's not the promise that I made." And when Abraham told, when God told Abraham the second time you're going to have a child, he says, "Oh, as long as Ishmael should be alive." God told him, "No, I promised you a child from Sarah. From you and Sarah is going to be a child." That has nothing to do with Ishmael. Ishmael was born to Agar. That's a different story. But I mean, but the I'm, Jewish people start from Sarah in Abraham. I'm saying that, but it, it seems to exempt that existence in this. this it's because it's a different conversation. It's not that you know it. Okay, you want to continue? <laughs> yeah, you. I, this this is was, this was uh, how Abraham acted before the giving of the Torah. Moreover, even when the request. No, no, you. Um, one paragraph the, down. One paragraph uh, down, yeah. This was how Abraham acted before the giving of the Torah, so it is all more true for us after the giving of the Torah, and love for our fellow Jew is a core principle of the Torah. How much more when we receive the Torah and we have the mitzvah to love your fellow like yourself? Like yourself means as much as I care for myself, I should care for him. You know what it means to love you like your fellow like yourself? What means to love your fellow like yourself? What does this mean? To take care of someone else before you take care of yourself? Morning, guys. No, no, I didn't understand. I mean, to do for others before you do for yourself. Yes, yes, yes. How much can you do for others? I'll tell you what I really mean about this. As much as you love yourself unconditionally, you love yourself no matter what. Even you say, I hate myself. You really love yourself. <laughs> Why you hate yourself? Why I don't hate you? I hate myself. Because I love myself. Oh, you love your children. You love you. It's unconditional. So too, we love another Jew unconditional. Even it's a this and a that and a that and a that and whatever you want. It's my child. It's me. It's a part of my my fingers. Can I be angry with my finger? That made a stupid thing. That's that's what love yourself. How much more we have to pray for others before for ourselves? Okay, continue. Who comes first? Who comes first? <laughs> Who comes first? Who comes first? When we need something, we must pray to God and ask for harmony. This is a positive, difficult commandment, the mitzvah of prayer. Quote, unquote, the obligation to pray is that a person should ask for all of his needs. As a result, one may think that when he and his friend need the same thing, he should pray for himself first. Jewish law says that if you have a need, you're in need, you should pray for yourself. You should pray for yourself. That's a, that's a mitzvah of prayer. The mitzvah of prayer, if I'm in need, I pray for myself. Not only this, continue, because... Because by doing so, he is fulfilling a mitzvah, and only after this, he should pray for his fellow. This argument is further strengthened by the Talmud's statement that your life takes presence to your fellows. Ah, there is a very interesting law. Okay, yeah, you want to read the law? Yeah. Source number five. Uh, four. Four. Your brother shall live with you. Shall live with you, continue. Two people who were talking on their way. Walking. I mean, yeah, walking on their way. And one, a jar of water. If both drink, they will both die. If one drinks, he will be able to reach civilization. Then, uh, the tourist said, better they both drink and one doesn't see the death of his fellows. Rabbi Kiva thought that um, your brother shall live with you means that you, your life takes precedence over uh, your fellow's life. It's a big dilemma. You're in the middle of the desert. You have one bottle of water. If both of you share it, one, both of you will die. If one person will drink it, he might survive. Nobody knows for sure 100%, but he might survive against the civilization. It's your bottle of water, not his. What are you going to do? Rabbi Akiva says, your life comes first. That if the Talmud says, your life comes first, why should I pray for him before me? I should pray for myself first. I'm first. The Torah tells us. Not only because I'm selfish, even I found a place in the Torah to, to put myself in this. 
Go ahead, B. Oh, it's yeah, go, go, go ahead. Make sense because, oh, for right, example, right, what right, if right, you're, right. you're uh, okay, you have uh, younger children, and I mean, you don't have younger children, and he has uh, younger children. He has to support a family, and you're 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 brothers, and you love each other, but you love yourself. If he survives, it's going to be a lot more good. If he survives, his family survives. His fa- yeah, his family survives. You don't have ch- and you don't have children. Then let's say two soldiers are in the army and they're going with a battle of water. Two people. One has a family, one doesn't have a family. Then the one who has the battle of water does not have a family. He should give the battle of water to the person who has a family because if he survives, he saves his family. He, he <coughs> will be able to support his family. In a good movie, it's like this, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you, if you survive, you may have a family too at the end of the take it, You may have, have something more to live for, you know? This is you we're, know talking, we're talking about two brothers, right? We're talking about no, brothers. we're talking about two strangers. No. Oh, two, strangers. two people who are walking on the way. And doesn't really make a difference to brothers or not. Two brothers can be not so brotherly when it's coming to a battle of water, which is already boasting. They are not so brotherly even for the inheritance of the parents they kill each other for the next 10 years. Joseph and brothers? I was thinking of brothers, actually. It doesn't really make a difference. Really, I should feel for every Jew like it's my brother. I should. Then the question is, do I have to give, I have to sacrifice my life for the life of somebody else? If you do it, it's very heroic. The question is if you're obligated. Mm. That's the question. I mean, every soldier kind of sacrifices for the country, right? <laughs> it's a general... But <laughs> many soldiers... Yeah, that's very, very... It's very heroic. It's not so simple. Yeah, then we're going to be dealing with a war right now. It's terrible. But do I have an, that's a different law that you have to save the country. You are, you're protecting yourself. So the question, right, are you country. obligated to save yourself first or are you obligated to save the other, per, like the other yes, person first? Yes, and the answer is that you come first. You are, you, are, you are coming first. You're not obligated to give the battle of order to your friend. That's what that says. If you do it, great. You're on the on, on, Huh? You're right. That's a, it's kind of the same thing, right? What do you mean? If, it, if the plane goes off, you, you take your mask off and you put it on you. You press your first. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Yes. But here, go ahead. The Rebbe. We are therefore informed that when a person asks for mercy for his friend and he is in need of the same matter, he is answered first. This underlines the great importance of love for our fellow Jews. That even when a person needs the same thing himself, he first prays for his fellow. And how far is it going? Continue. Abraham's personal need was much greater than Abimelech's. Let me ask one quick question. So this contradicts this, right? When it comes to prayer, not giving battles of water. Mm-hmm. Prayers you're talking about. Pray That's a big difference of prayer. Pray for the other person first. Yes, exactly. If they're thirsty, forget them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one, Praying for them <laughs> or giving a battle is two separate things. I'm going to pray that you get water, but this is mine, so hands <laughs> off. <laughs> Continue. Because he was awaiting the birth of his heir, Isaac, who would be the ancestor of the Jewish people. The verse states, I multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac, meaning that the birth of Isaac was the key to the flourishing of the Jewish people, like the stars of heaven and the sand on the shore. Nevertheless, praying for someone else is so important that Abraham first prayed for Abimelech. Here's what the, what the Talmud says here, that you come first. That means if you're obligated to give your water or not. It doesn't say you're not, you shouldn't give it. You're not obligated comes to prayer, we tell you, if you, we give you good advice. If you want to be answered by God, you pray for others. No question that if somebody gives his bottle of water to somebody else, is a very heroic act, but he's not obligated. Here we're talking about praying. We, can, we don't demand from you to die and give the bottle of water for somebody else, but to pray for somebody else, we tell you, yeah, that's the right way to do it. Yeah, so like human to human is not more important than asking God for for prayers for someone else. What do you mean? Like if I give the water to whoever, that's amazing. That's, it's all well and good, but if I pray to God to help this person, that is way more elevated. Even for, than you want for yourself. Yeah, for, for yourself. myself, yeah. Yes. 
Because you can't hold them. Yeah, that's if you lose them, not every one. Right. Take a couple sips, break them. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Praying on behalf of a fellow is one of those good things for which we receive physical reward, because when we do this, we are answered first. This applies even when a person prays for their fellow for the sake of receiving the reward of being answered first. This is not the optimal form of prayer for a fellow because it is not done because he cares for his fellow's welfare more than he does for his own. It is done in order to be answered himself first. This is analogous to a person who knows that honor chases anyone who runs away from it. So he runs away from honor in order that it should chase him. He says like this, let's say if a person is praying for his friend because he wants to be answered first, right? That's what the promise is. If I pray for you, I'm being answered first. Mm. That I don't really pray for you, I pray for myself. Mm. That the Rebbe points out here, even so, I, have, I do it for ulterior motives because I want to be answered, still God will reward me. Because the bottom line is action. I pray for somebody else. Even that, you know, there is a saying in the Talmud, if you run away from, the, from, from COVID, from Anno, the COVID will run after you. Mm. Somebody says, I'm running away, but, I'm, but what I really wanted, I'm running away from it because I really want it, and the Talmud promised me that if I, it doesn't work. But in this case, even if I do it for ulterior motives, because I want God to answer my prayers, I pray, I look, let's say I need something. I'm looking for somebody who needs the same thing. I say, oh, he needs the same thing. I'll pray for him because God should answer me that I don't really pray for him, I pray for myself, still I'll be answered. Hmm. That's what the Rabbi is pointing out. Even though, it, even though it's selfish. Yes. No, just read it. Yes, because the bottom line, go ahead, you read it. Even people... Even people who pray for their fellow with an ulterior motive are still answered first. The motive uh, notwithstanding, they have still uh, prayed for their fellow. Their fellow has benefited from their prayer for their fellows' needs to motivate or makes no difference. The motive make, makes no difference. This is comparable to the mitzvah of charity, where the important thing is that the poor person should receive their needs and the intention of the given makes no difference. Giver. So how could that be? Because they say if you, let's say, steal money to get the charity, it really doesn't count. Sure it doesn't count, but here we're not stealing anything from anybody. The motive in action, the motive is less. If I, if I lose a dollar and somebody found, found the dollar and bought it at a sandwich, it had nothing to eat. I never knew in my life that I lost yeah. the dollar. It's considered charity. Yeah. In act, Judaism is a religion of action, not a religion of motives. But of that's, feelings. that's unknown. If you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar. I think your question is... No, you're not allowed to steal. No, stealing... If I steal... You're not allowed to steal. No, no, no. You're not allowed to steal money to give somebody else because you're stealing money. You're stealing. It's written. You're not allowed to steal. Period. No chokmes. No matter how good the motives are. That's why the point is the motives are not counting in 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 this world. This is a world of action. I had good motives. I stole money from this guy. Your motives don't care. You stole money. On the other hand, I give it to him because I wanted to. Should look good. People should see that I'm such a great person. I don't care. The bottom line, you had what to eat. Judaism is a religion of action. This person had what to eat, that's what count. But you look, you know why he did it? Or people go on, they're full of good motives. I wanted, I was about, I almost... What'd you do? He had what to eat or not? That's the bottom line. It's like my, many times I talk to my secretaries. I was, I thought, just tell me, you talked to him, I didn't talk to him, you did <laughs> it then? I don't want you 10 minutes of explanations. Well, the, the world, God, God created this world, the world is, is actions. Not the world of intentions is nice, but it comes after. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually women will tell me they, they don't mind to get from the husband a nice gift, even the intentions were not so great. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the intention is everything. Tell me, no, 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 let them give the gift, then we'll walk in the intention. So we've been told the wrong thing all these years? <laughs> I'll tell you, Judaism is about action. Other religions is about feelings and about in t- intentions. In about. That's not Judaism. Judaism is a religion. Wants, it's, God wants to know what you do. Action is everything. That's what Judaism is all about. Then, uh, you know, there is a whole world running around. Oh, it feels, I feel so bad for them. And I, and I had intention, good intention. 
doesn't hold any water. Go ahead. That old military well, saying, intention doesn't get it done. It holds the same water as you're telling your wife after her birthday as it as happened. I meant to give you a little roses. I'm thinking about that. And the necklace. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's supposed to read? Uh, where are we? The last paragraph? Last paragraph okay, go ahead. Last paragraph on this. Uh, no, no, right there, yeah. This is comparable to the mitzvah of charity, where the important thing is that the poor person should receive their needs and the intention of the giver makes no difference. Yeah. This is expressed in the Talmud statement that the person lost the coin and a poor person found it and used it to buy his needs, the loser is given the credit. Even though the poor person found it without the loser's knowledge, he has fulfilled the mitzvah of charity. As the Baal Shem Tov said, purity of intentions isn't of critical importance in the case of charity. However, the ultimate form of prayer for one's fellow is, of course, when the prayer is made, only in love for the other person to the extent that someone else's benefit is more important than one's own. In other places, the mitz, your intention is very important. <coughs> but in the but in the count in issues of charity, we don't wait for your intentions. The guy will die until you have the right intentions. <coughs> Today, I'm in the mood of giving charity. That I give charity. Tomorrow, I'm not in the mood of giving. You guys don't give. What do you mean? Is not in the mood of giving? We wait for your mood. The guy, what are we going to get with your mood? It's a it's a mitzvah. A mitzvah means I have to give him even when I'm not in the mood. Not only when I'm in the mood. They're all Yiddish guided. Today I'm in the mood, I love God, I'll pray to him. Tomorrow, eh. <laughs> Today I'm in the mood to put in film. Tomorrow I'm not. What is this? When you wake up, when your baby's crying, I'm not in the mood to wake up to take care of my baby. Well, nice, mm. huh? It's not going about your mood. There is, we are here to do the will of God. It's very nice we are in the mood also, and we have the right intention, and we have the good feelings. It's all good and fine. But the bottom line is, it's a world of action, and God is asking you, when you come to heaven every night, when your neshama comes to heaven, God is asking you, tell me what you did, mister. Mm. Not what you felt. I was mm. about, almost. I, re- I wanted, I really wanted, I really felt bad for it. It doesn't count. Mm. Now we'll go to the next page. What is going on here is a, there is a story. Next week's parasha, there is something very interesting. This is talking about praying for your friend. Then you're being answered. There is all about action for your friend. You know, there is, in the next week's parsha, it's going to be about Abraham. He's looking for a shidduch for Isaac, right? He sent Eliezer to Haran, and he's looking for a girl. And it's a whole story how he's finding a, a whole parsha spent on it. And they finally bringing Rebecca back to, to Israel to meet Isaac. And then there is a verse that says, And Isaac came from Be'er Lachai Roi. Just when they arrived, Isaac also came from somewhere. Where is Be'er Lachai Roi? And let's read <coughs> this, this paragraph. Isaac was coming from Be'er Lachai Roi, for he dwelt in the south country. From Be'er Lachai Roi, he went to bring Hagar to his father so he could marry her. You hear? While Abraham was busy finding a shidduch for Isaac, Isaac was busy for finding a shidduch for Abraham. That if you really want to be answered, it's one thing to pray for somebody. It's a deeper level is actually doing for somebody. The same thing. You need a shidduch for your daughters. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> As I said, who doesn't? You go and you look for a shidduch for somebody else's daughter. And this will make God bring you your shidduch. Where I see it, there is a, the Rebbe is writing to a woman who was involved in helping other women who became widows from the Six-Day War. I knew this woman, very special woman, that the Rebbe writes her a letter. Read, you want to read number seven? We are fortunate to have merited to successfully lift the spirits of so many Jewish women, daughters of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, who lost their husbands. Our sages say that one who prays for their fellow is answered first. So God will certainly praise and strengthen your spirits. It means to say here, she didn't only pray, she went out and she helped people. The Rebbe said the same idea. You help them to strengthen their spirit. God will help them, you help your spirit. You know, I have, a, I have a whole family in Israel. And it was a, one, um, I have a niece. She's not my niece. She's married to my nephew. She, called, she wrote me. She's, she had to give a message to a lot of girls. I said, what are you going to tell them? What, 
I told him the people, so she told me people, she, she described her life. She tells me, her husband is in the army. Then she went to stay by her parents. She has to take her kids to school. Now it's a school photo because she went to her parents. She says, I'm taking four kids in, the, in, in, in my car. And I'm thinking when I'm driving on the highway, what if there is a siren this minute? What if you have to stop your car, get out, uh, get, go out of, the, out of the car, and lay on the, next to the car to be saved on the floor? <laughs> you stop the car in the middle of the highway and take out four babies from the car seats to take them where? They're crying and quetching and running. She does me, she's going crazy. I, I didn't know that she told me. Basically, I told her, listen, the Rabbi said always when you help others, that will help you. That was the best thing to help you. She told me she, did, she went and she got a donation, the Chabad rabbis in a city in Israel, of many toys for children. And they delivered that Friday to every family that the father went to the army. And she says, beside that, the reaction that she got from everybody, she said it helped her. She started to feel better about herself. This is exactly what the Rebbe is talking about. When you do for others, God will help you. When you pray for others, God will help you, will, will pray for you, will give you the blessing. It's all about God wants us to see how we care for others. Then, if it's all about me, it's about you. There is a story about a hostage came to the Rebbe and he said how his business is going. The Rebbe asked him, how is your friend? The Rebbe knew that his friend, it's a story from one of the previous Chabad Rebbe's in Russia, that the friend is in bed, he, he has a bad time. He says, yeah, he, has, he lost money, but you know, it's from God. Rabbi listened. He went home, and something bad happened to his business. Terrible. Things got very bad. He lost a huge amount of money. He came back to cry to the Rabbi. Rabbi, what happened to me? He goes on and on and on. And the Rabbi told him, doesn't look like you cared for your friend when your friend lost this money. It doesn't look like you cared so, bad, so badly. You said, God, it's from God. What can we do? He realized what he did. He walked out. He sat a few days, rethinking his, his attitude. And he came back to ask for, for a tikkun, for a correction. Now I become a better human being. That my friend, I care for my friend as much as I care for me. And then the Rebbe helped him and this guy and, and all got better. And this is the idea. God wants us to care for others a little. Yeah. Thank you very much.